This is Hans Finzel. Welcome to the Leadership Answer Man. This is a show for leaders about real-world leadership solutions. Whether you're a seasoned leader or just starting out, I promise to give you practical leadership tips that you can use this week. No matter what your leadership situation is, I can help. Remember that every follower needs a healthy leader. My passion is to help leaders lead more effectively. Welcome to episode number five, Reluctant Leaders Make the Best Leaders. I appreciate you checking out my new podcast. Why do I call myself the Leadership Answer Man? I was talking to a good friend of mine last week. We were having lunch at a restaurant and I was telling him about my new podcast and how excited I am. And he said, you know, Hans, that's the perfect title, Leadership Answer Man. You have made a whole lot more mistakes than your listeners have over the last 30 years. You you can help them avoid those mistakes. I thought that was pretty cool. I would love to help you so you don't have to make all the mistakes that I've made in my career. Here's what we're going to cover today in Reluctant Leaders Make the Best Leaders. What is reluctant leadership? What's so great about reluctance and reluctant leadership? Five excuses that many people make to avoid being a leader in a certain situation. The seven deadly motives for wanting leadership or staying in leadership past your prime. And then the kind of leaders that the world is begging for. Are you one of those kind of leaders? Well, let's get at it today. Reluctant leaders make the best leaders. I find that the world today is hungry for great leadership. They are disillusioned in poor leadership. The world needs great leadership. We desperately need more great leaders for all walks of life. But we desperately need the right kind of leaders. And that's really what this show is all about all the time, but especially today. It's okay to want to be a leader, first of all. You know, I used to think it was prideful to want to be a leader, but for the right motives, wanting to be a leader is awesome. And if you work in ministry or in church or in, in any kind of uh, situation where you feel like you're a leader for God, you know, Paul said to Timothy in the New Testament in 1 Timothy 1.3, if someone aspires to be an elder, which is a spiritual leader, he aspires an honorable position. I think that's so cool. We need leaders in all walks of life with the right motives. Now, when I talk about leaders in God's economy on his planet, I'm talking about leaders in all walks of life. I'm talking about people in the marketplace, in the professional world. I'm not sure where you lead. I just got an email yesterday from a teacher in Tennessee who wanted me to come to speak to their school because they're in the middle of some growing pains and they've got some real leadership issues. I find a lot of educators uh, love my materials and my books, and, and that's exciting. Whether you're in the marketplace, education, the professional world, in church ministry, nonprofits, government, I don't know. I think that I find uh, some of the Christian leaders that I admire most are in the marketplace. They're not in the pulpit or particularly on the mission field, but they're in the marketplace. So where do we learn about great leadership and how to be a great leader? I believe we can find resources for great leadership in all kinds of places. We can read books, and I'm a leadership book junkie. I've just got reams. I've just got so many shelves of books on leadership. I just love them. I consume them. I order them all the time. And I, in each one of my podcasts, I finish by recommending a good book on leadership for the topic at hand. You can learn about great leadership from podcasts, from great leaders. One of the greatest ways that you can uh, learn how to be a good leader is to get around great leaders. And whether that's personally one-on-one -on -one or listen, uh, 
reading their books, listening to podcasts, seminars. We can learn about great leadership uh, from what I call natural revelation, just good principles of leadership that are out there that people have discovered. We can learn great principles of leadership from people who are spiritual people, and that's what I would call spiritual revelation, which is a whole nother layer of learning about leadership. And from the Bible, that's what I call special revelation. You know, God wrote this great book, the Bible. I happen to believe it's an amazing book, and there's some just tremendous leadership principles in the Bible. For today's topic on reluctant leadership, we're going to use the Bible. And we're going to look at just at a few places in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, chapter 3. And this is a famous story of Moses at the burning bush. It's one of the greatest leadership conversations between God and man that's ever been recorded. And it's the story of a man, Moses, who was an amazingly reluctant leader. Let's start and just read a little bit of this story, beginning in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now, Moses was minding his own business. He was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert. There was an angel of the Lord that appeared to him and flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So he thought, I'll go over and check it out. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said to him, here I am. Well, God says to Moses at this point, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid of God. Now, this is what God said to uh, Moses. I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering, so I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. I'm not going to read the rest, except you can read it on your own. And basically, God says to Moses, you're the man. You are the man. I have heard the cry of my people, and I'm going to send you to relieve them and to deliver them. Leadership always fills a massive need, and leaders come into play to finish and to, to fix a problem, to fix a leadership situation. God saw the crying of his people, and he sent Moses. Now, when, uh, when God uh, said to Moses, I'm going to send you to my people to deliver them, the Moses uh, commission was clear, take them out of Egypt to the promised land. And when God said this to Moses, Moses turned to God and said, me, you talking to me, you got the wrong guy. You cannot possibly be talking to me. And uh, so what happens in the next few uh, verses of this chapter three is Moses throws up five excuses. And I'd like us to look at these excuses because I think there are common excuses today for people not going into leadership. The first excuse is found in verse 11, and it's the excuse of identity. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? I'm a nobody. Who am I? And this is the excuse of identity. He felt like he was, he was a nobody. Why should God use him? Well, with each one of the excuses that Moses gave to God, God gave him a solution. Well, let's look at the second excuse, the excuse of authority. 
Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say, Well, what is his name? What shall I tell them? And this is the excuse of authority. No clout. Nobody sent me. You know, nobody appointed me to this job. I have no clout for this leadership responsibility. Well, again, God gives them solution, but that wasn't enough. The third excuse is found in chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? And this is the excuse of credibility. They're not going to believe that you appeared to me. This is the excuse of credibility. I am not special. My family and friends doubt me. They don't think I'm a great leader. I'm nothing special. The fourth excuse is one that a lot of us use. I've used this through my life, and Moses uh, used this. It's the excuse of gifting. I don't have what it takes. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. I can't talk. I don't have the gifts. I don't have what it takes. It's the excuse of gifting. And how many of us have been thrown a leadership assignment or been challenged by a leadership assignment, but, we, but we're afraid because we don't think we have the gifts for it. I understand. And in all my journey of leadership, I felt like I had been stretched. I remember I had a professor in college and he drew this box on the board of me and a box, you know, after college, you know, we were going to look for a, an assignment of equal size as my box. And then he drew this giant box on the screen and he said, you know, you shouldn't go and just find yourself a little box that perfectly fits you. You should step into a giant box. And actually that's what God wants to do with you because he wants to stretch you and increase your capacity. And that's what leadership assignments do. When we step into a leadership assignment, any of you listening and you feel like you are overwhelmed with a leadership responsibility and assignment, I feel your pain. I talk to a lot of people that are in that situation. You say, how can I possibly have what it takes? to fulfill this leadership challenge. And I want to tell you, you're just in the perfect spot if that's how you feel. Because God can show up and you can stretch and you can grow as a person. The excuse of gifting. Well, there was one final excuse. I call this uh, the mother of all excuses. That uh, excuse number five, the excuse of cowardice. Moses said in chapter four, verse 13, Oh, Lord, please send someone else to do it. Uh, my wife and uh, has this great saying, all excuses are equal. You know, when people give you an excuse, you know, can sort of say all excuses are equal. And after God had uh, carefully answered every one of Moses' excuses with a solution, finally he gets to the truth. You peel away all the layers of the onion, and he just says, I'm a coward. I don't want to do this. The excuse of cowardice. He says, oh, Lord, please send someone else to do it. I just don't want to do it. You know, I call that the prayer of the reluctant leader. And I can relate to that. 
You know, a lot of us get thrown into leadership situations that we did not volunteer for or necessarily aspire to, but we we took them on for one reason or another, and then we get into the weeds of leadership and into the tough times, and we say, oh, Lord, just please deliver me. Please send someone else to do it. Now, there are times when we need to leave our leadership responsibility and to go on to something else, and I'm going to have a future podcast that's going to be devoted just to that topic how to know when it's time to leave. But in this case, he was just at the beginning of this assignment, and and he was the right person for the job. But the prayer of the reluctant leader is, oh, God, please send someone else to do it. How many times I've prayed that specific prayer in my leadership responsibilities over the years before a meeting that I didn't want to want to go into, a very uncomfortable meeting, before a confrontation. You know, I'm a conflict avoider. I'll be honest. Hans is a conflict avoider. I don't like to confront people with bad behavior and call them on the carpet and point out what they've done wrong because it creates conflict and I'm uncomfortable with conflict. So many times before I have done that, I've said, oh, Lord, please send somebody else. But, you know, when you're the leader, you can't send somebody else. You've got to confront people. It's one of the important responsibilities of being an effective leader. I've prayed this prayer before firing someone. I've fired a lot of people in my 30-year career in leadership, and it's the most unpleasant work of a leader is, I've, I don't know, if I, maybe some of you listening, you just love to fire people. Uh, but from I know Jack Welch always said, you know, you should fire the te- bottom 10% of your organization every year just to keep it healthy. Wow. Boy, I'm I'm glad he's got a thick skin. I don't. When I had to fire people, I thought about their wife or their husband and their family. How are they going to pay their bills? Oh, God, just send someone else. Before an uncomfortable board meeting, I've been through so many board meetings, most of them awesome, but I've been through some very uncomfortable board meetings where I prayed the reluctant prayer of Moses, please send somebody else. Do I really have to go into that meeting and face the music? Some of you perhaps before a big speaking assignment, you know, a lot of people are afraid of speaking and uh, before a big speaking assignment, before a huge deadline, or how about after a big failure when you just want to crawl under a rock and stay there, but you have to face your people. The prayer of a reluctant leader, oh Lord, just send someone else. You know, I think it's kind of interesting what happened in this story. God did not go find someone else. And I got to thinking about this as I thought about this story. You know, you know how many Israelites there were that Moses was going to lead out of Egypt to the promised land? Over two million people he was going to lead out of Egypt. <laughs> That's probably one of the big reasons why he said he didn't want to do it. You know, he knew there was going to be problems with logistics and food and water and travel and transportation and disease and illness. You know, he wasn't stupid for saying, I don't want to do this. Maybe he really did see what a giant task it was. But as I was thinking, there were 2 million people. So there were a lot of other leaders that God could choose from. Why did God not give up? No matter how many excuses. In fact, it says in verse 14 of Exodus 4, then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he said, what about your brother Aaron? Okay, he speaks well. I'm going to give you him as an assistant. Even though God got angry at Moses for all of his excuses, he did not pass over uh, Moses and go on to somebody else. So that's the big question. Why? What was it about this man that so captured the heart of God? 
And see, this is the key, the reluctant leadership piece. The key is humility. Oh, hey, everybody. Before I go on with the rest of the show, I wanted to mention a few things helpful to you and helpful to me. I hope you have found my show notes for this podcast at leadershipanswerman.com. I have the resources, web links, and some pictures of things I talk about in the show that I think you'd find very helpful. Secondly, if you love the show, boy, I could really use a plug as I'm just getting going in podcasting. If you go to leadershipanswerman.com slash love it, there's a tweet that's all prepared that you can shoot out to your Twitter followers uh, just to give them a link to the show and to create some buzz. Finally, it'd be a huge favor to me if you could give me a good ratings in iTunes. It's another way for my show to reach more listeners. Thank you so much. Moses was a humble man, and that was the the core of his reluctance was his humility. It says in the book of Numbers in the Old Testament that there was no more humble man on the face of the earth than Moses. Numbers chapter 12, verse 3. There was no more humble man on the face of the earth. And this characteristic of humility was the very characteristic that God just said, I've got to have this. I cannot use a leader that is filled with pride. I've got to be one that's filled with humility. If you're a reluctant leader, I just want to say that it's a great characteristic. I happen to believe that reluctant leaders make the greatest leaders, not just in God's work and church and ministry, but in all walks of life. I think people love to follow reluctant leaders. The fact that Moses did not feel that he had anything to offer made him perfect for the job. Here are the seven deadly motives that I have seen in leadership that are career killers. And can I be real honest with you? I have at one time or another in my leadership, experience this as a motive to continue in leadership. It's so hard to have pure motives in leadership. Our motives get all mixed up. In just a minute, I'm going to talk about the right motives. But let me tell you about the seven deadly motives that I've seen in leadership that really are career killers. They all start with the letter P. Power, prestige, position, popularity, pride, personal gain, and a paycheck. Let me go over those again. Power. All throughout history, people have gone into leadership and stayed in leadership because of the power of the position. Prestige. You know, there are a lot of leadership positions that give you a lot of prestige and and a wonderful uh, self-identity of who you are. The position. How about popularity? There are leadership positions that give you tremendous popularity. And who doesn't want to be popular? Pride. How about personal gain? There are a lot of leadership positions that can lead to great personal gain. And finally, paycheck. There is a paycheck involved in many leadership positions. And these are if these are your motives for staying in a leadership position, then you're in trouble. They, I call them the seven deadly motives. Reluctant leaders make the best leaders. I'm going to just in a second tell you what I think are the right motives for wanting to be in leadership. But 
Back to Moses just for a, a minute. This is my quote of the show. Every podcast has a quote of the show and a book of the show. For the quote of the show, it's going to be from D.L. Moody, the founder of Moody Bible Institute. You know, if you look at, before I get to the quote, Moses really lived 120 years. He had his first 40 years as a young man. Then he had his second 40 years from 40 to 80 when God was preparing him for his leadership. And Moses didn't enter into leadership until he was 80. Oh my gosh, I'm glad that for most of us, we don't have to to wait till we're 80 to push in and into leadership. His third 40 years from 80 to 120 is when he did all of his heavy lifting as a leader. But here's what D.L. Moody said. What a great summary of the life of Moses. Moses spent his first 40 years thinking he was a somebody. He spent his second 40 years learning he was a nobody. And he spent his third 40 years discovering what God can do with a nobody. I love that. He learned what God can do with a nobody. And that goes back to the reason why God used him despite all those excuses. And when God called him at that burning bush, he knew exactly what he was doing. We desperately need the right kind of leader. So what is your motive? Is it time for a gut check for you to make sure you've got the right motive for doing what you're doing and leading where you're leading or considering taking a leadership responsibility? If your motive is one of these, then you're on the right track. I just made a list. Of, this isn't all the right motives, but it's just some of the, the great motives that I think people do to get into leadership and stay in leadership that are the right thing. I want to do good. I want to help other people. I want to change the world in a positive way. I want to influence positive change in my environment where I work, or I want to influence positive change in the world. I want to serve the people that follow me. And if I help them get what they want, I will get what I want. And finally, one of the greatest motives of all, I want to serve God. And I'm going to serve him through this leadership responsibility. The world is crying out for great leadership, for servant leaders. Servant leadership is about doing what God needs to get done, not what I want to get done. Or I like to say servant leadership is when the leader cares more about the good of the organization and its people than his or her own enrichment. I'm going to say that one more time. My definition of servant leadership, when the leader cares more about the good of the organization and its people than his or her own enrichment. Aren't people just crying out for that kind of servant leadership? Don't be surprised if you find yourself praying the prayer often that I've prayed through my journey of leadership. Oh, God, please send someone else. And when I pray that prayer, I realize, you know, that's okay. It's normal to have a reluctance. It's normal to, to be fearful of some of the great stretches that take place in leadership. You probably have exactly the right spirit of humility in your heart. If that's the way you feel going into a scary leadership situation, going into a huge leadership assignment, or going into a meeting uh, or a confrontation that you do not want to do, it's natural to have reluctance. Okay, let me finish up by uh, sharing one more time the leadership quote of the day. D.L. Moody said that Moses spent his first 40 years thinking he was a somebody. He spent his second 40 years learning he was a nobody. And he spent his third 40 years discovering what you can do with a nobody. 
And the leadership book that I want to recommend for the show today is going to be Exodus chapter 3 and 4 in the Bible. I don't really have a particular book on humility and servant leadership to refer to you today, and I'd rather you took the time to read those two chapters, Exodus chapter 3 and Exodus chapter 4. And as you read it, ask yourself the question, am I using these excuses to avoid the leadership assignment that I should be embracing? Remember, reluctant leaders make the best leaders. Thanks for being on the show today. I appreciate your interest in leadership. This has been Hans Finzel. Thank you for listening to the Leadership Answer Man. Remember that leaders make great things happen. Please send me your leadership questions that I can answer on a future podcast. And I would love to have you sign up for my email updates at leadershipanswerman.com. Remember that every follower needs a healthy leader. Keep listening and learning and go out there and make a difference with your leadership. 